2: From Pod World Headquarters. This is the Carolina Insider presented by Crumley Roberts. Visit CrumleyRoberts.com today to find out how they can stand up for you. We're back, time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you. And the entire month of April is presented by Crumley Roberts. Visit CrumleyRoberts.com today find out how they can stand up for you adam turn around it's tuesday what's up
3: let's try to just have a normal week
2: yeah nice smooth waters no choppiness we'll just sail off into uh springtime we'll see what we do know for sure is that we have a good show coming up. We have See now this interview Adam, we were ready to run it like a week and a half ago for opening day for Major League Baseball or right around there with Jacob Stallings, former Tarheel, now the starting catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. We were all proud of ourselves, we had done this timely interview, and then things just went just went crazy time. With Coach Williams retiring, hiring Hubert Davis. So we are going to circle back around and we have our interview with Jacob Stallings coming up. We have a Roy Williams themed story time today, Adam. Adam has a list. We've got some Tar Heel news and notes here at the beginning of the show. And more. Did Did I cover it, Adam?
3: A highly requested, how can you justify that? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Many, many suggestions that this fit the bill. And it does. Mm. So, all of that coming up. Brought to you in part
2: by L.S. Tractor. Don't let your outside chores or projects cause you to miss any Tar Heel game action. Let L.S. Tractor help make short work of them. That's normal yard maintenance to larger projects. L.S. Tractor has the machine for you ls com. That's ls com to see the difference. L-S-Tractor, what's it about for you? Adam thought we'd hit on just a couple pieces of news and notes here at the start of the show. All right, we have to quickly break in from uh, the podcast Adam and I had already put together the show for today when then we learned the news that Walker Kessler has kept his name in the transfer portal and it's heading to a school other than Carolina. And so Adam, the transfer portal has, in one respect this weekend, in a way that we can't talk about, um, been an addition for the Tar Heels. And then here in this particular instance, Hubert Davis very clearly uh, said that he was going to make a play for Walker Kessler, who was still... As we've discussed, we can talk about Walker because he uh, still enrolled at Carolina. Made a play for Walker Kessler and had a lot of room to, a lot of ground to make up and unfortunately couldn't make it up uh, in a short amount of time.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to remember that Carolina was completely out of this a couple of weeks ago and got back in the door to a varying degree of which I think we'll probably all have different versions of here in the months to come. Uh, Ben just wasn't able to do it. I think a couple other things. Number one, it certainly is not a decision that I personally understand. It it doesn't make sense to me, but probably also I've decided things that Walker Kessler did not personally understand and didn't make sense to him. Um, So he's got to make the choice he feels like is right. I really hope uh, nobody will, I think Walker Kessler has received a lot of ugly messages online. And I'm not just talking about the comments. I'm talking about messages directly to him. And I know that everyone who listens to this is above that. But if you have a friend who is not above that, that's just not the right way to do it. You don't know what went into this. And I I think that was much more than just Walker Kessler. So you can't send a message where where it would really make a difference and where that person was actually making the choice. So uh, just don't do that and discourage other people from doing that. I also think kind of big picture, I think this speaks back to the importance of continuing to recruit the players who are on your team, which is something that no one really ever had to think about five or 10 years ago but now has become a really big part of college sports and especially college basketball. And I think that's something that Hubert Davis wants to be a priority with his program, with the staff that he's bringing in that we'll hear something about in the next few days or so. And that's going to be an area of emphasis. That is college basketball now. And that is something that Hubert Davis is aware of. He didn't win out in this case but he is aware that this is not an isolated case in all of college basketball, not just Carolina. And he is going to take steps to try to prevent similar things in the future.
2: You know, Adam, we didn't talk much about it on last week's show, the Friday show, and we didn't mention it in the show that everybody's going to hear coming up that, that we had already done for, for Tuesday. But I think, you know, a big, Big piece of information now that we still need to learn about Carolina is what Armando Baycott decides to do. Armando has put his name into the NBA draft uh, for now, with the option, of course, still to return. But he's going to go, you know, through some of the workouts and try to get some feedback, and um, that'll be an important decision because uh, Carolina needs some size, and and with the Kessler door closed now, um, that Baycott decision becomes very important. Um, the Tariels may still be continuing to recruit uh, for at the high school level to have someone join their team. And, of course, the transfer portal remains open with quite literally thousands of people in there. So um, Armando Baycott's decision and then what the Tar Heels also do in those other avenues here over the next uh, week or so, I think, will, or a couple of weeks, will be really important because the Heels need to find some size for their team next year
3: you turn your focus from this one specific player who you already knew very well and knew what kind of fit they would be. And you start thinking about the 2021-22 roster. And what does the makeup of that look like? How can you get that to be the type of unit you want to be? And I think we'll learn more about how Hubert Davis wants to play when we see what's coming in. I think that's going to give us a window into what a Hubert Davis Carolina team is going to look like. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Adam, anything
2: else on this before we get everybody back uh, back to the regular flow of the show?
3: We hope at some point in the next six months to record a normal show with no break-ins and no, no urgent news.
2: We'll keep our fingers crossed. For now, let's get back to the rest of the show that we had already put together for you here on the Carolina Insider. Adam Tario football had a scrimmage this past weekend. I unfortunately could not be there due to some family uh obligations but we had we had people all around that and we had our we had our Carolina Insider pod spies at the scrimmage and a couple of things that stood out to the folks who were there that I think makes sense and something that we talked about last week one was just the overall talent and depth on the defensive side I think you're going to see a significant difference on the defensive line. I think Carolina continues to bring in quality players in the secondary. I mean, think I mean even just guys you already know about. I mean, Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, Kyler McMichael, those are three really good corners, for example. Um I think Carolina is still trying out a bunch of different guys at that running back spot. I know Josh Henderson had a Good scrimmage, for example. Um, Caleb Hood has had some positive things here in the preseason. Uh, Ty Chandler, the transfer from Tennessee, I think he started with the ones at that position in, in the scrimmage itself. And so I think maybe the biggest story, Adam, is just that Carolina is able to go through a competitive and beneficial spring practice in total. Which is something that of course didn't happen at all last year for, for most everybody. And then even the year before that, yeah, I think Carolina was having to be so careful because of the numbers and they weren't quite sure what they had. And um, I just think they're able to be so much more competitive and physical because of the improved talent, the improved depth, et cetera, that I do think this can be a, a really beneficial spring as they round here through it the next two weeks um, to finish it up, I I think it can be
3: really beneficial. And what a luxury to also have so many experienced veterans who are absolute known quantities that you don't necessarily have to give a ton of reps in a situation like this. Like Sam Howell didn't throw 30 attempts on Saturday. So you're able to take a look at some others, Jacoby Criswell and, and others at that position and at others. Because you have veterans that you, you know for sure what they are capable of doing at the ACC level. And so you don't need to see them in the spring. And you're able to see more of some others that you think might play some sort of role in the fall. But you're not quite sure just what
2: yet. Taman Fox, another who has, of course, re- returned uh, for his extra year. And I you know, just don't, don't need him to do a whole lot right now. Um, so, yeah, it's a good point. And and we also found out, Adam, from the football side of things, that the opener, which if you remember, is at Virginia Tech. But when the initial schedule came out, it was an either or on the date. It could have been Thursday, September the 2nd, or Friday, September 3rd. And we found out that it will be Friday, September 3rd in Blacksburg. Still don't know the time yet, but do know the day, uh, Friday for what is a really difficult start to the season for Carolina, that's going to be an enormous game for, for the Heels and the Hokies.
3: I like that Labor Day has basically become all college football the entire weekend, Thursday to Monday, some sort of big game. I don't like it when the Tar have to go to Lane Stadium in the season opener because that's going to be a tough one. But you know you'll get plenty of national attention uh, opening the season under the lights.
2: Quick reminder that six of Carolina's first seven games are ACC games this year. So by October 16th, the Tar is going to know what's going on. Because then their last five games, even though Notre Dame and Wake Forest are two of them, both of those are non-conference games. Um, so only Pitt and NC State will be the only two conference games left for Carolina at that point.
3: Wake Forest, not Notre Dame. A Not ACC game. game. This year. This year. Last year, yes, we know that they were. And so was Wake. Right, both. Yeah. But, but this year, no. neither. Yeah. Confusing. I bet that's going to come up again.
2: Yes. Adam, one other piece of news, and this has to do with Coach Williams. This really could have been on your list, but I decided to throw it out here in our News and Notes segment. And it was just announced yesterday that... There's going to be a Wells Fargo Roy Williams Day at the Wells Fargo Golf Tournament over there in Charlotte in May. It is May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, that is going to be the uh, Roy Williams Day, which is pretty cool in that it's a Pro-Am event. Coach Williams is going to play with Coach Brown, and the first nine holes, they're going to play with Gary Woodland, former U.S. Open champion who is, went to University of Kansas. And then the second nine will be with Davis Love III, of course, a former PGA uh, championship winner and Ryder Cup captain, all kinds of things, who is a tar-heel. So a uh, neat little twist there. First nine uh, with Gary Woodland, who represents Kansas in this scenario, and then with Davis Love III representing Carolina in the back nine for this program. I bet Coach Williams is going to love that. What a, cool, what a cool setup.
3: Now, can fans go to this? Normally, I know the answer is yes. I'm asking for the 2021 version.
2: Uh, for tournament updates, Adam, you can visit wellsfargochampionship.com and get all your information. Okay. So there will be limited attendance, although we're starting to see, Salt with the Masters this past weekend, that there, are, there is attendance, but it is not full attendance at these events. Um, and there will be COVID safety protocols in place again wellsfargochampionship.com and you can learn a little bit more about that uh, about that event
3: we're getting closer to more normal attendance did you see any of the college baseball videos from this past weekend specifically at Ole Miss no Ole Miss played Arkansas spoiler they're both incredibly good and Ole Miss was essentially, I think they had the fourth biggest and fifth biggest crowds in program history uh, down in Oxford. So that region of the country seems to be basically open. Who won? Arkansas won the series? Arkansas won the, the Sunday game, ended up being 18-14. to 14, mm. And I think it was Arkansas was up 11 nothing, And then back and forth they went willy-nilly. But I think Arkansas did prevail in one, two out of three.
2: Good old college baseball on Sunday. Never know yeah. what's going to happen.
3: No one has enough arms
2: to get yeah. through Sunday. Which, by the way, as Adam and I are recording this, we don't know who won the Carolina Duke series this weekend. It Second time that Carolinas had a big in-state weekend shuffled due to weather. They started their Friday game against Duke – on Friday, but then had to pause it due to severe weather. Finished on Saturday, then all the other games got moved back. Duke won the first game, Carolina won the second game, third game's coming up on Monday after Adam and I record, but you'll know by the time you hear this if the Tariels were successful or not.
3: Good win on Sunday. Heels were down five to two, came back and won eleven to five. So Adam, that
2: baseball discussion transitions nicely into our next guest, which will or to our only guest for this show, which we'll get to after we remind you that we're brought to you by UNC health dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds and to help keep you in the game. And at your very best, you can see their lineup at unchealthcare.org slash sports, unchealthcare.org slash sports. And that is Jacob Stallings, former diamond heel, now a member of the Pittsburgh pirates starting catcher for the pirates. And, um, Adam, I, I think you, if I remember correctly, you kind of introduce him this way, but I think just a Tar Heel that we have seen up close and in person a lot, and there's plenty other examples, but I think somebody who really has maximized his potential and is doing great things because of it. Jacob Stallings, always a very good player, but I think he has been able to get as much out of it as he can to the point now where he's. An everyday starter in the bigs. What a great story.
3: Incredible story. Great guy. The same exact guy today that he was when we were following him around for the Diamond Heels. And crazy to hear him tell us, which you're about to hear, how close he came to to giving up on everything.
2: Yeah. So we're going to get to our conversation with Jake. We'll come back. We've got Adam's list. How can you justify that? Story time and more. All coming up on the Carolina Insider.
3: You know, one of Roy Williams' favorite things to talk about is players who he feels like maximized their talent and got the absolute most out of what they had. I feel like if Roy Williams was a baseball coach, which he would probably really enjoy, he would probably say something like that about Jacob Stallings, who, number one, was on some really good, Carolina teams we were just looking back kind of thinking about those teams they were really good and he's had an incredibly successful career in the big leagues and still doing it for the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, nice enough to to give us some time today so Jake thanks so much
1: yeah good to see you guys again I'm, I'm excited
3: catch us up on what you got going on right now
1: yeah so today's actually packing day uh we're packing up we we head north tomorrow we uh our last game is in Fort Myers tomorrow. We fly out of Fort Myers and, and head up to Wrigley. We open in Wrigley this year, so that'll be really cool. Um, I think everybody's definitely excited to get out of Florida and get and get cranking. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And, and just excited to get, uh, you know, a full season going for sure. Jake, take us through
2: kind of the thumbnail version of how you got from ending your Carolina career to now all of a sudden you're an everyday guy for, for the pirates. Like what, what has that journey been like for you over the last eight, nine, 10 years or so?
1: It's certainly been an interesting one. Um, One that I certainly um, would not have predicted even myself, but um, you guys will appreciate this. I was, I was really struggling in high a in my second full season of baseball or professional baseball, and, and uh, Tyson Lusk gives me a call one day, uh, you know, I think it was in, uh, in June, and he said, hey, like, I think Bryant Gaines is going to take, uh, you know, a job at, at another place, and, and I think our volunteer assistant job might open up. And, um, and he said, would you be interested in it? And at the time, I was in high A for my second year, just playing absolutely terrible. And, um, and I gave it some serious thought. I I really considered quitting and, and, uh, trying to pursue, pursue coaching. And, and, uh, I decided to stick with it and, and just finish out the year and and see what happened. And, um, you know, kind of, it turned out, I, I had a good month in July and then in August I hit like 450 and, um, and got promoted to, to double a the next year. And, um, it's just kind of been a, a slow, but steady trajectory up ever since and um definitely been bumps in the road and and nothing's nothing's been easy by any stretch but i just feel like i keep getting better and um i really feel like that's one of my strengths as as a player is just um you know i I don't i don't feel like i'm complacent and uh always striving to to do better and um and so yeah so here we are and um it's looking like i'll be a starter in the big leagues so Um, Pretty cool and, and something that I think I'll really be able to appreciate more probably when I'm done playing.
3: I think people have always known defensively, managing a pitching staff, leadership, all those things you've always been very, very good at. How did you figure out how to do one of, if not the hardest things in sports, hit big league pitching at age 25 or whatever?
1: I don't know. If you ask me right now, I'm not sure I figured it out. I'm kind (laughs) of going through a little bit of a rough stretch, but, um, no, I mean, you know, that's, it's a good question. I think I've had a lot of people help me along the way. Um, a lot of really good hitting coaches who have thrown a whole heck of a lot of BP to me, including my dad. Um, but, um, you know, I just, I just kind of always like, kind of, like I said before, I just, was always trying to get better and um I've always been a late bloomer um anyway so I feel like that's kind of what's happened you know I know it's a little later than probably uh most professional baseball players but I still really feel like I can get better and and I'm still coming into my own as a hitter so um you know I guess I would attribute it to a little bit that I'm just in general a late bloomer but um, also that I've had a lot of good coaches along the way and, uh, just worked hard.
2: Jake, tell us a little bit about the pirate organization, just what it's like and and your experience within the, the Pittsburgh organization here the last several years.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, not this past off season, but, uh, the previous off season, we basically brought in a whole new regime. Um, pretty much all new coaches, um, and all new front office members so um it's almost you know honestly it's kind of a, a feels like a different organization in a sense just because we we've had so many la- new faces in in the last couple of years but um you know the the old regime was great to me they were always honest and um you know they they always treated me with respect and and that's all I can really ask for and they helped me get better and uh, you know in 2016 when i made my debut you know, frankly, I probably didn't deserve to, to make my debut. Um, but, you know, they they brought me up and, you know, I, I spent about a week up the first stint. And then, you know, they they called me back up in September. And, and that was really my big break. Um, you know, I actually went home for six days, they didn't call me up, um, right when the AAA season ended. And then uh, somebody got hurt, and they called me up again. And, and I had a really good September. And, I think that really was the turning point for me because I had, I had success in the big leagues and I was kind of like, well, maybe I can do this. And um, so I, I'll always be grateful uh, to them for that. And, and the new regime is great. I mean, it's um, you know, they're, they're very player centric and um, they really want the players to have a voice and, and, you know, tell them what they're feeling. And if they like something, if they don't like something, so it's a really good work environment and, Um, you know, obviously we had a tough year last year with a lot of injuries and, um, and whatnot, but, um, I'm really excited about where our organization's going because I have a lot of belief in, in, in the people that are running it, frankly. So, um, it's, it's exciting for sure.
3: You mentioned a little bit ago that it was cool that you were going to get to open up at Wrigley. Does, does this whole thing ever stop being cool and has there been a moment in the last couple years where you were able to, to sit there and go, wow, I'm really doing this. I think
1: I've had a couple of those moments. So my debut for sure um, was actually in Wrigley. Also Sunday night, baseball, ESPN. Um, it was the 2016 when the Cubs won the world series. So they were obviously really good. And, um, and I just remember, <laughs> that when I ran out on the field, I just, you know, I was never sure that I was actually ever going to be back on a big league field. So I was like, all right, just run out and just kind of take it in. Like, so I, you know, I ran out and I literally didn't see an empty seat in the whole place. And it was just, it was just really cool, um, really cool moment. And, and, you know, there are, there's been numerous times where there's just been things that happen in the game you know, conversations, um, you know, just two quick ones, Juan Soto a couple years ago, he just looked back at me after I blocked the pitch one, one time we were playing the nationals in Pittsburgh and he just was smiling. I was like, what's what's so funny. He's like, man, you block everything. I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> when you, when I, when you can't hit like you, then you gotta be good at something else. Um, and he laughed and, and so, you know, it's just, it's cool to get that. And then we're actually in Williamsport, uh, for the, the little league world series game against the Cubs and Javi Baez was up and he he swings and misses and he's got two strikes on him. He kind of looks back and he's like, what are you going to call here? I was like, what do you think I'm going to call? I won't change it. I promise. (laughs) And, and he said, I think you're going to throw a slider. I said, all right, here we go. And I, I really was going to call a fastball high and I called fastball high and he, and he struck out and he was like, he, he, in, in different words, he was like, man, I guess I was wrong. I was like, <laughs> I promised I didn't switch it. So, you know, it's just like, it's just cool stuff like that. Um, within the game, you know, you get, you get these superstars and, um, it's just cool stuff like that within the game. That is, uh, that kind of makes me, um, And, you know, I got a hit off off Adam Wainwright. He comes up to the play. He's like, hey, man, what a swing it. I was like, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, you know, I could tell stories all day. I hit a homer off Bumgarner, and he comes up, and he's like, hey, where'd that ball land? And this was right after he and Muncie kind of got into it. I was like, I'll be honest with you, man. I did not watch it for one second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was like, neither did I. So we both kind of laughed. So uh, just cool things like that, man. It's just, you know, things I never thought I would get to uh, get to experience.
2: You mentioned your dad. How's your dad doing? I, I know he did not have the the tenure at, at Pittsburgh that he wanted to have uh, after he left Vanderbilt. How, how's he doing? And is he uh, still involved in what you're doing baseball-wise?
1: Yeah, so we had a uh, – group of us me phil goslin who's who's had a lot of big league time um and adam duvall um who's been with the braves past few years he's with the marlins now um us three pretty much hit together the whole off season and he threw to us uh every day and um so he's he's back in nashville he's i call him a professional retired golfer so he's just (laughs) he's golfing any chance he gets and he's at like a two handicap, so he's getting pretty good. And, um, yeah, I think, I think he's doing really well and, and, uh, definitely enjoying golfing. So, uh, yeah, he's doing well.
3: You see a lot of pitches, obviously, and you've played with a whole lot of good players. Who's somebody who, when, when you see them pitch from, from your vantage point, which of course is a little better than the rest of us who you think this, this guy is just on another level, even of the other level that I'm on?
1: um, Like as a hitter or as a catcher? Either uh,
3: one, either one.
1: Well, I faced Strasburg um, a couple of years ago. And I mean, his curveball was so nasty that he, I just I just went up there and I was like, I just have to sit curveball because if I don't sit curveball, I have absolutely no chance of being able to hit it. Um, so he, he was different, uh, in that regard, for sure. I haven't faced the yet, but I have a feeling that when I do, I'll feel that way as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've caught a lot of good arms too. Garrett Cole when he was with the pirates. I mean, the ball just came out of his hand differently. So, uh, you know, the typical answers you would expect are probably the ones that I would give you. There's just, I mean, there's, you know there's big leaguers who who are are really really good players and um but then there are big leaguers who are just freakishly talented and and who 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 work extremely hard and and those are the superstars so um th- those guys just kind of separate themselves from from the rest from the rest of us mere mortals
3: <laughs> when you think about your time at, at carolina what stands out to you about about those four years, both on the field and off the field?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just look back and have so many good memories. That's um, part of why I was so excited to, to talk to you guys, just to kind of bring back some of those memories. But um, you know, if I'm just working from freshman to senior year, freshman year, what stands out is uh, calling my dad and telling him, I thought I was the worst player on the team. And uh you know, just being like, I mean, I'm literally and, and I really think it was true. Honestly, at the time, <laughs> I was just kind of like, Dad, like I'm I'm the worst player on the team. And we I mean, we had studs, we had Axley, Seeger, White, Warren, Harvey. I mean, we, we had a squad. Uh but at the same time, you know, it by the end of that and that wasn't in the fall of my freshman year, but by the springtime, you know, I was the DH against left-handed hitters and um so I, you know, I just kind of managed to find my way on the field. And, um, obviously two trips to Omaha was, um, amazing seeing dusty break the college world series record for, for hits in the world series. And, um, and then our junior year, you know, after my junior year, sorry. Um, after we kind of had a rough, uh, rough year, the year before getting, getting back to a national seat in Omaha, when. When really people didn't um, expect us to do much, was was really gratifying because you know obviously I had a bigger role on that team and um, and you know just the friendships. Moran obviously is with the Pirates. He's here now. He had a lock. He has a locker next to mine. Um, you know, I I faced Matt Harvey twice this spring and we've texted both times after the game and um, so you know just just all that stuff is just. Uh, able to look back and everything's more fun when you win. Uh, So luckily we were able to win quite a bit while I was there, but um, yeah, just tons of good memories for sure. So you
2: guys in 11 opened up that the new park, of course, in Omaha. Do you have any memories of that moment of, you know, George W. Bush being there, just all that different stuff that that was happening before that game and, and then going out and playing the first game in the new
1: park? yeah i always uh i always say my close per- personal friend george bush because <laughs> i was literally walking out on the field for the game in the tunnel and i walked by and i see some sec- there's like there was just this one little sliver where the um the hallways kind of separated themselves where you could see into the other hallway there was like a bunch of security there and, and i was like i walked past and I'm like what was that and i so i walked back and i look over and George Bush was right there when I, when I got back. And so I met him and, and uh, obviously that was really, really cool. And he was, he was really nice. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, I can say I caught the first pitch in in the new uh, in the new park and um, you know, I I just feel really blessed to, that I got to experience both parks. Um, You know, I think it was the Southern Miss game when we were there in the old Rosenblatt when, I mean, do you guys remember when all those beach balls were out in the outfield oh, and they had yeah. to stop the game because they came out on the field? I mean, that's just like something that's so cool that I just remember like, man, like what kind of, you never get that atmosphere anywhere else. And, um, yeah, just the, the TD Ameritrade, I, I just remember being blown away by the park and, um, and just really appreciating the moment of, um, getting to catch the first pitch and, and play the first game. So, um. Yeah, I mean, as you guys know, that park is, I mean, that's close to a big league park. So it was, as a, as a college kid, it was really cool. Adam and I have long said
2: that we think one of the hardest things to do in college sports is to get to the College World Series to to win that event. It's just such a grind of a tournament and of an event. From someone who got there twice, can you take us through just the challenge of being successful in this sport, in that type of event to get to that level.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so little, you know, in any tournament like that, um, there's so little margin for error. Um, And then, you know, I really believe this, the hottest team wins more, the college world series more often than the best team wins. Um, And you know, I I think that's just baseball, somewhat in a nutshell. But even more so, that tournament, I think you see just because of the format, you see that way more in that tournament than than say like the the big league playoffs. Um, just because there's so many more teams in that tournament, and um, you know, obviously you have series at our level, and and at, at that level, it's the tops. The top series is a three game series in the super regional, so um you know we've always me and, and a lot of my other teammates always felt like well you just you just got to get hot like honestly I felt like getting to Omaha was easier than winning in Omaha because you never knew what you're going to run into in Omaha you could run into a you know a bad matchup like we faced Josh Spence um we have we had a hef- lefty heavy lineup and they threw Josh Spence against us twice and it was just a tough matchup for us and um so I, I really believe, and then you, I mean, you look at a couple of years ago when when Vandy and Virginia played each other back to back years. I thought, I, I think, I think Virginia who won it first, Virginia or Vandy won. I can't remember who won first, but I remember thinking the other team was better. Like when Vanderbilt won, I thought Virginia was the better team, and when Virginia won, I thought Vanderbilt or right. whatever. I might right. mess that up, but. Um, I really think it's the hottest team typically wins that tournament, which which makes it so exciting.
3: Freaking Josh Spence. I hadn't thought about him in a while. Thanks for bringing hey, him up. But he got me on the field, so I, I was grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Um, what would you tell the current Tar Heels, other than you know, it helps to have a Seager, Ackley, or Alex White or something, what would you tell them is most important to a team at being the type of team that can make that kind of run in the postseason,
1: You know, obviously Carolina teams are always typically going to be talented. Um, So talent aside, I think the best teams I was on were the teams that everyone, everyone on the team, no matter who it was accepted their roles and really enjoyed their roles. Um, And, you know, I I think, you know, it's kind of cliche, but, but, the best teams i was on were the teams that had the best team chemistry and and um you know frankly had the least issues off the field too and um but i would just say once you figure out your role even if you're not happy with it work your butt off to to get a better role but i think that you still need you know i i just think and this is just kind of a personal opinion but you just it's just always good to be a good teammate um to your other to your other guys, to your other friends. And um it's always detrimental to a team when um somebody tries to bring down others when when they're not happy themselves. So um I would just say that that, that accepting accepting your role in one sense, but then if you're not happy with it, working your butt off to try to try to get the role you want um, would be my would be my main advice.
2: How the news hit you that Mike Fox was stepping away after his long tenure the, this past summer and that Scott Forbes was going to be taking over Carolina baseball.
1: Well, first I was really excited for coach Forbes, um, you know, without sharing too many details, I know that he's turned down other opportunities, um, to be a head coach in hopes that, um, that he would get, you know, get this opportunity. So I'm really happy for him. Um, my, you know, with regards to coach Fox, I was, ex- I was just excited for coach Fox. You know, he, um, he texts me pretty regularly, just updates and congratulations and that sort of stuff. So I was just happy for him because I know that, that he wants to, and, and I think he'd kind of been feeling that way for, for some time that he was ready to to move on and, and spend time with his family. So, um, excited for him and, Excited for Coach Forbes, and um, you know it's funny. Coach Fox, after he retired, <laughs> I, I I won't do this justice, but he sent me, and I'm sure he sent most of the guys, just this huge folder of papers, and and I didn't know what it was when I opened it. He said he asked for my address and said he was sending me some stuff. And it was this, this huge folder of papers, and he had kept for my four years, he had kept every paper like that he had written. And the, and there were some news clippings and, you know, we would do like pitcher evaluations and where we would like rank what, who we thought was the best pitcher. He literally kept all of that for all four years. And, and I mean, there was, I mean, it, it, it almost, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of making me tear up now because just some of the stuff was so cool and it, it, it definitely made me tear up when I was reading some of it. There was some really, um, really cool stuff in there. There was a note or I, you know, an email that my dad wrote, um, coach Fox, I think after we lost to St. John's my senior year, just thanking him and, um, and coach Fox sent him something really nice back. So it was, um, it was pretty special that he kept all of that. And, um, and sent it to me. So that was cool.
3: Do you think, or, or how did having grown up in, in big sports with your dad, how did that impact kind of your perspective on being part of a team and maybe enable you to be successful? Cause you've always had a little different perspective than most people who didn't have that experience.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I tell this story a lot, so I'll tell it one more time. Um, I'll never forget when my dad was at Illinois State and I was a really young, really young kid. I mean, I couldn't have been over the first or second grade. I was playing soccer and we go to a game one day and it's raining and cold and, you know, just not ideal soccer kid weather at all. <laughs> and and we're sitting in the car before the game, waiting for the game before us to end. And, and he he says to me, hey. Every other kid out there is going to give in to the weather. They're not going to want to play. They're not going to play hard. You're not going to be one of those kids. And I have no idea why I've remembered that my whole life. But, you know, it's just I think that story kind of sums up kind of what being able to be around him and be around his teams um, did for me. You know, it just I think it created a good mentality for me um, as an athlete, you know, no matter the sport to just continue working hard, you know, no matter what the circumstances, um, just being mentally and physically tough. And, um, and then I think another thing that, that was really beneficial for me is, um, seeing how, you know, obviously he had, he had tough players. He had not tough players and he had really good workers and he had not so good workers. So I think really being able to have those kind of influences, especially on the good side, you know, he would say, this guy's a really good worker. He's really tough and just watching them and and getting to see what they do and, and how they react to things and how they react to failure. And, um, the, the type of leaders that they were, um, was just, obviously it was an experience that, um, not many kids and not many athletes get to be around growing up. So, um, yeah, all, all of those things um, were certainly beneficial for me in, in you know, just growing up, but in my development as an athlete.
2: You mentioned leaders, and I think Adam mentioned this at some point. I've always just considered you a very good leader, just someone who kind of naturally was a leader on a team that he was a part of. Do you feel that you are one of the leaders right now on the Pirates? And is that harder to do when the level continues to go up? to kind of naturally be a leader now on a on a big league team?
1: You know, I, I think I'm very comfortable leading in general, but I think in a lot of ways, just like college, um, you know, college, I think by your junior year, you kind of have that, um, just because you're one of the older guys, you kind of have that, um, not right, but you have kind of the um, – I don't know, just with your age, you're one of the older guys. So you're the younger guys are obviously going to look up to you. I think in the big leagues, it's a lot different because, you know, you got, I mean, Nelson Cruz has played this game for like 20 years and, you know, there's always going to be veterans and stuff like that. So my first few years in the big leagues, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really feel like I had the time uh, you know, the service time to be able to tell some of the older guys or to, you know, to lead some of the older guys, I just kind of felt like, you know, I should just kind of keep my mouth shut. If, if they asked me questions then I would certainly answer and try to help them and try to help them. But I think now, um, I think I'm, I might be the oldest guy on our team, but I'm one of the oldest guys, but not only that, like, I feel like, um, my, my time and, and my play has, kind of allowed me to take on that role. So um I definitely feel like, you know, we have a really young group and um I feel like they they certainly look up to me and guys come to me with things a lot. And and I think our coaching staff, um our coaching staff looks to me, you know, among others obviously, but I'm one of the guys they look to 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 kind of, you know, facilitate things from them to the players or, you know, whatever it might be. So um, it's a role I'm certainly comfortable in and, and I, I really enjoy doing because I think with leadership, you know, you got to show, you got to show the guy you care about them just on a personal level and you care about their career and, and leadership is really all about building trust. Cause if, if a guy doesn't trust you, he's not going to listen to you. So, um, just really being genuine and, and showing people you care is, I think for me anyways, is, is the best way to, uh, to get guys ears and, um, and help them reach their goals in their career.
3: Now you pitched a couple times for the Tar Heels and you've pitched a couple times in the big leagues. Are you still keeping the off-speed stuff sharp just in case you're needed?
1: Man, I had an outing against the Cardinals and I threw seven fastballs and got three outs <laughs> and the fastballs were about 78 miles an hour. <laughs> so I think that's about all I got in my repertoire right now. Um, Unfortunately, I've seen too many position players tear their arm apart when they go out there and try to throw too hard. So, I, I so funny story. When I faced the Cardinals, a guy, another position player on our team, um, Jose Osuna, actually pitched before me, and he's got a really good arm. And so I'm sitting here like, maybe I, you know, maybe I'll try to throw hard, see how hard I can throw. And he goes out and throws like 94, like he was he was chucking it. And I was like, all right, I'm not gonna throw 94. So I'm just gonna lob it on in there and see what happens. So uh, probably a blessing uh, that he went out before me, but no, it's it's about a 70, 78 mile an hour fastball. It's about all I got. Ah!
2: Great to talk with Jake and our interviews as always brought to you by the independent insurance agents of North Carolina texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds and at highway speeds, that's like driving the length of a football field with your eyes closed. Look, no one, no one would do that. No one would voluntarily do that. The Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina wants you to stay safe behind the wheel. Put down that phone while driving. Let's have a hands-free NC. To learn more, visit trustedchoice.com and find an agent near you. Now, Adam, you may have noticed, Adam, and it appears as though some of our pod listeners have noticed, that we had an elevated presence on social media over the last few days and in fact i can't even i don't even remember who said this but oh here it is john crisp said that you guys got a new graphics intern a question mark yes we did (laughs) (laughs) but his name is miles and miles is more than an intern he is part of team at Carolina underscore pod. Right. So if you see something, some graphic stuff on there, just reply. Cool stuff, Miles. That's
3: it. Just say, Good, great job, Miles. Or you could do the little thumbs up emoji, Miles. Yeah. Or like a pound, Miles. Yeah. That The hand shaking. Yeah. We, team at Carolina Pod, sent out something with the hand shaking. Yeah. With the sweet dance moves. Yeah. I don't understand how people immediately knew That that wasn't us.
2: I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, Adam and I have our finger on the pulse of all the hip social media trends. I'm always over here working on my memes. So, yes, Miles is on team at Carolina underscore pod, and you can let Miles know he's doing a good job on any post that you would like. And anything that goes up that is questionable or Yeah, if it's not good, it was probably Miles.
3: That— that sounds like something Miles would do.
2: Yeah, that's probably a Miles problem.
3: If it was something funny, probably we thought of it. And we're like, "Hey, Miles, you think you could put this together?" Hey, Miles, how
2: about a handshake graphic with uh, Nikki Carr dancing? Yeah, Adam. By the way, the Blue Dogs got some uh, got some competition. That non-athlete version of the potty for best interview, non-athlete. That's, and Adam, you and I both know that we have some uh, good ones coming up as well. I tell you what, sir, that is going to be a heated category.
3: Mm. Adam, what's that? It's potty buzz for Nikki Carr. (laughs) Lot of, that just goes to show you, you don't have to pour out your heart for an hour to get potty buzz. Yeah. You can do a quick hitter and really make an impression. It helps if you call us the wrong name. Right. But you don't have to. No. And next thing you know, maybe you've got a statue. Let's be honest, Adam.
2: You do kind of look like Steve.
0: You do look like a Steve.
2: I've got that on my list. Oh, okay, good. Well, then what are we waiting for?
3: What's on the top
2: of Adam's (laughs) list? Brought (laughs) (laughs) to you by Top of the Hill. Where Tar Heels come to celebrate.
3: It was Lindsay Carroll who tweeted at us that Adam does kind of seem like a Steve. Yeah. My younger daughter also said, I kind of seem like a Steve. Mm Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I
2: think, like, Steve, Steve loves the, uh... Loves the scoop. There it is. Commercial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Steve, Steve, probably Steve might fall asleep in his comfortable chair at 827 on a Friday night. Look, it's been a long week. Yeah. Steve's been busy. (laughs) Steve might accidentally tell you the same story for the third time (laughs) in the last six or seven days, but it'd be funny each time. Yeah. Steve probably has some kind of shirt <laughs> when he's grilling that has a maybe slightly inappropriate <laughs> dad joke on there. But come on, how can he turn this down? He got it for Father's Day 2017.
3: That's just Steve being Steve. Wait wait a second. Does Steve have Carolina polos in his closet? <laughs> that have the old NC on them, and he's not sure if they're still okay to wear, and then eventually he decides, yeah, I think it's fine. Look, Steve has found one pair of
2: shoes that he really likes. (laughs) So Steve's just going to buy 20 of those types of shoes, and then he's good, he's set. Steve knows what he likes. There's no sense in messing
3: around with that. These will never go out of style. Right, exactly. These are evergreens. Steve is going to
2: tune 90s on 9 and that morning DJ on and chuckle to himself slightly.
3: Would Steve go a mile or two out of his way to find gas that's a cent or two per gallon cheaper? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and express strong favoritism for the gas stations that are on the right hand side of the road.
2: I tell you, Steve does not like the these NFTs. I know that for sure. <laughs> He doesn't get into that at all.
3: Hmm. Okay, so I was going to ask, like, if you weren't a Jones, do you think you'd be something else? Nah,
2: that's the only one I can be.
3: <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Hmm. Let us know what other name you think Jones should be. Thor. <laughs> Easton. There's yeah. a lot of conversation about that. I recall. That's right. Uh, in other news, did you see all this? The, I guess Burt Smith went on a media tour. and
2: Okay, so Burt Smith, I I know what happened. Burt Smith, an official, and collapsed during one of the NCAA tournament games. Gonzaga-USC. So, But I don't know what the resolution to that event was.
3: And he collapsed in very scary fashion. And it turned out that he had a blood clot in his leg or lung Ooh. leg lung something with an l and he would not have found it had he not Lash. collapsed lashes,
2: lashes.
3: <laughs> it was not in his lashes it wasn't in his labrum <laughs> that's all i got and clearly he would not have found, that can be very 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 serious sure. and yeah. Bert smith we know does uh, quite a few acc games um so but they found it and now it's taken care of and had he not been doing that game at that exact time uh might not have found it and the consequences could have been dire um so and also a lot of just kind of interesting stuff about how burt smith has done his career and he always parks at the spot farthest from the grocery store because he likes to get his heart rate up as many times a day as he can that's what i do too i don't at all get mad when the front row closest to the studio is filled and I silently or sometimes out loud think, are all those people really doing something necessary as I clearly am doing and need that spot? He Burt Smith always takes the stairs.
2: You know the- uh, Steve
3: la- likes the elevator. Yeah,
2: You know the uh, last Tar Heel game that Burt Smith did? No. Florida State ACC Tournament.
3: Okay. Well, our best to Burt Smith. We're glad you're feeling better. Absolutely. Uh, Geo Bernard waved by the Bengals. Yeah, I was, hey, I
2: did not like seeing that. You know we love Gio. Um, I just, I mean, and and he is still productive. He was productive yeah. for them last year. He's been, along with Joe Mixon, kind of the one of their two main backs for for the last several years. Because most teams, unless you have you know Dalvin Cook or something, m- most teams now have multiple guys that that are going to play that position. They'll have two or three running backs that that get a decent amount of carries and geo has been, been productive for them. I I certainly, you know, not, not that you and I are speaking to Gio or know exactly the situation, but it seems like he's still got some gas in the tank. It would not surprise me if he got an opportunity to play for another team, even if it's kind of in that secondary running back role. You've got a obviously high-class, high-character person who's – a, a veteran now of, you know, nearly a decade in the NFL and could be a benefit, I would think, on on somebody's team. But just how about the fact that he's played in the league for almost 10 years now? I mean, and that's what an accomplishment in and of itself. And hopefully he's able to get a, a few more years in there. Feels like he still has some something that he could do. Hey, guys, this Jones. After Adam and I recorded the podcast today, news came out that Gio Bernard was going to sign a one-year deal with the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So Adam and I are going to go celebrate that we were right. He still has some gas left in the tank and can be productive, and he's going to do it for the champs. So congrats to Gio. Back to the show.
3: Maybe soon if we talk to an NFL head coach, we could put in a good word for Gio. Because yeah, yeah. he probably doesn't know.
2: Yeah. He, yeah, he doesn't know the personnel for all the teams in the NFL. NFL. Those guys are normally not real prepared yeah. and don't grind real hard. So we could probably help them.
3: They don't even start thinking about it until when the like mid-September when they start playing the games. Yeah.
2: And then like Thursday or Friday of game week they start thinking yeah. about that team.
3: All right guys, who we got? Yeah. Who's who's next? Is the still the quarterback of these Bengals? Let's see what they got. Uh Hornets play-by-play man, Eric Collins. Yeah he's on fire he threw it down again yeah on absolute fire
2: so this was a miles bridges dunk
3: oh team at carolina pod miles no different miles i don't Okay, that's
2: that's not that's not our team at carolina pod um but so miles bridges threw it down and uh let's go ahead and put the audio in here for you cody zeller offensive rebound word. The filthiest of the filthy. And yes, Adam, our guy, Eric Collins, very much on brand as he should be. That really was a nasty dunk. And uh, yes, he was excited.
3: You were the first on the Eric Collins bandwagon. You called Uh, this one early. I mean, I am sure that there were
2: others who knew, but yeah, he's electric and he does. I think it's fun. I think it's fun when the announcer is having fun. Yeah. And, you know, his role is similar to what I do at Carolina in that he is there for the Hornets. And so, I mean, he wants the Hornets to do well. And so that's I think that's part of why you tune in to the quote unquote kind of hometown broadcast. And that doesn't mean and, you know, we've had this discussion before. That doesn't mean that, you know, everything Carolina does is right and everything the other team does is wrong or that if somebody on the other team has a great night is because he or she got lucky or whatever. It's none of that. But get excited for the team you're there to cover. I think people enjoy that part of it, and he's a lot of fun to listen to, for sure.
3: In other exciting announcer news, Rob Stone, our close personal good friend, whose sister we know, who works in the basketball office, Cynthia, uh, had a great call of what I now know is an extremely rare 7-10 split conversion in bowling.
0: My
2: goodness, the ginger assassin! The seven ten. You bet, kids. You bet. Oh, man. Give me some oxygen and water to spare the game. Brought to you by Guaranteed Rate. If you believe it, you can do it. Guaranteed Rate. Believe you will. I believe the Ginger Assassin can drop the seven ten. Oh, man.
3: Well, yes, I'm surprised you didn't know a seven ten split. That's the hard one. Well, I mean, I knew it was difficult, right? But I didn't. I think that was like the second time it's been done on TV in 30 years or something. Like, oh, wow, it's happened at you know your local alley right. more times than that, <laughs> but not on television where people can share the clip. I th- I think that's what I saw second time in 30 years.
2: I saw some collegiate bowling this weekend, Adam. <laughs> I happened to be perusing uh, television post masters on Sunday, and there was the. NCAA Women's Bowling Championship. Nebraska v. Arkansas State. Long-time rivals. <laughs> On the lanes. And uh, Nebraska took home the title. But it was it was competitive.
3: Now, that's an official NCAA-sanctioned championship. Yeah, absolutely. But you get the trophy.
2: There was one point. Now, keep in mind, I kind of had the volume down, so I really wasn't following 100%. But they showed me this graph, and it said... And I may not have this exactly right. Maybe somebody who's a bowler can help us with this. It was talking about the oil level of the lane. Mm. And it had like this, almost like a heat map of the oil level. And they were talking about how the lanes were rolling differently. Mm. As I told, who was it? Caleb Love, I think. I cannot bowl. I'm trying to think my best score ever bowling. Not we bowling. Like regular bowling, right? I mean, it's over a hundred, but I would say well, it. Good. I would say it is less than two hundred. Is that with bumpers or without? I. That's probably without, but it doesn't hurt my feelings if I'm bowling with the kids and the and the bumpers are up.
3: Eh, let's just leave those up. It'll yeah. save time. Yeah, that's right. It'll be better for all of us. Have you ever picked up a seven ten split?
2: I can't. Im- I no. I mean, I can't remember if I have. So if I if I don't remember doing it,
3: obviously I haven't. I'm just gonna spend all my time now trying to pick up a 710. The Ginger Assassin wanted to give a what up a to Rick and Laura, big Tar Heel fans. Whom I met this weekend in slightly awkward circumstances that in all honesty were completely my fault, but they were very nice about it. Rick, a big pod listener. So what up?
2: Yeah, Rick. Sorry about Adam snooping through everything. That's normally I've tried to talk to him about that. That's when Steve's been out a little too late. (laughs) Night before he probably stayed up till ten thirty with his friends. <laughs> Steve playing knuckle Steve thinks seven
3: thirty in the morning <laughs> on a Saturday is a totally normal time to visit people you've never yeah. met before.
2: And he'll tell you about when he woke up. Oh, really? I've been up since five thirty. <laughs> okay, Steve, I don't
3: care. It's almost lunchtime. You want to go grab a bite at the cafeteria, and then finally, how can you justify that?
2: Justify!
0: how can you justify what you've done
2: how can you justify well, how can you possibly
3: justify that many 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 tar hill fans spotted this one and i gotta say this may be why how can you justify that was invented like it knew this day was coming and thought i need to exist to be ready for this this one goes to our good friends at the news and observer one of I was going to say one of the finest pieces covering the Tar Heels, but they're certainly one of the outlets covering the Tar Heels. Here's a tweet from April 9th, so late last week. Here's how to order 144 pages of rare photos and compelling stories about legendary UNC coach Roy Williams. It would look perfect on your dagum coffee table. It costs T M and 95 cents. Sorry, $29 and 99 cents. Those four cents got to go pay the legal bills. If you devoted tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of words to trying to besmirch someone and their life's work, it is generally considered poor taste to then try to benefit yourself financially by capitalizing on recent events in their life that generally is frowned upon for example if seth davis retires tomorrow we probably will not be producing a limited edition nft of all seth davis's greatest moments and then sell it through the pod we know
2: it could go for big bucks though.
3: Yeah, but we would not do that. If you, on at least one occasion that I specifically remember, published an editorial calling for Roy Williams to be fired for events that basically turned out to not be factually accurate, I think you lose the opportunity to produce a commemorative book and then sell it for $29.99 to benefit your debt-ridden, substantially nosediving diving readership newspaper. And I think that that is in bad form, but it did, on the positive side, create quite a few very hilarious replies to that tweet that I really enjoyed looking through, and a lot of people did great work there. Some people, a little more straight to the point, But 100% agreement in the replies, which were substantial, that this might not have been a great idea.
2: Yes, it is very self-serving.
3: Pick a side. Great independent journalism? Or financial profit? Right.
2: A reminder that we're brought to you by Pinehurst heard this I heard this commercial on the radio this weekend someone else reading my Pinehurst words I felt a little cheated on (laughs) it's more than Donald Ross's masterpiece Pinehurst number two there's the stunning redesign of number four there's the fun short course with the cradle you can unwind at the stylish north and south bar or stop on by to the Pinehurst Brewing Company there has never been more to discover at the cradle of American golf Go to Pinehurst.com and plan your visit.
3: Is that lipstick on your collar, the cradle? <laughs> Wait a second. North and South Bar, you didn't call and tell me when you were coming home. How come your
2: phone was turned off? Uh, yes, at JJB Parker 4 I see your NFT tweet that you sent me. <laughs> Doesn't faze me. Not in the slightest
3: you're not down on all nfts you're down on top shot are you down on nfts across the board well
2: i think top shot
3: is well I,
2: top Shot's the most popular nft
3: as far as i know i think it's past crypto kitties at this point there's new uh there's a new thing with the horses like race horses but not real race horses fake race horses listen to the words you're saying <laughs> i'm guessing you're probably out on that as well <laughs> I would
2: like to pay six <laughs> figures for a fake racehorse now that you say it, Adam. That makes perfect sense. Just checking. Shane Casita? Casita?
3: Casita. Mm-hmm. Shane. Right. Don't know about Shane's classes. <laughs> well, that's a good a, that's a
2: good throwback. A pod callback there, Adam. But we do know this. Shane sent us in a story time, Adam, that I'm going to get through with the help of Mr. Goose Honkers. right now. Because Shane's story starts like this. This past few weeks has obviously been very emotional for Tar Heel fans. The timing of this story for me, Shane, Couldn't have been more foreboding because Shane is a pastor at Beach Glen Baptist Church in Mars Hill, North Carolina. The week before Coach Williams' retirement announcement, he was teaching in a Wednesday night Bible study about the varying levels of knowing God. To help explain this difficult concept, Shane decided to use an analogy with the idea of knowing God. famous person. Shane was lost for a second trying to decide on which famous name he would use until he landed on the idea of Roy Williams. So Shane said the sentence, quote, I know Roy Williams. He explained that he could say that because he knew about him through all the years of watching him, but always from afar. The closest that Shane had ever been to Coach Williams was just being in the Smith Center during a game while he was coaching. He explained that this was knowing someone on a superficial level. And he made the mistake of saying, now no one in here knows him at a deeper level, like him knowing your name or speaking with you. But Adam, to Shane's shock, one of the elder ladies, Evelyn, what up, Evelyn? Probably a pod listener, raised her hand in the back of the room. Shane called on Evelyn and she said, I know Roy Williams. Obviously surprised, Shane asked her to explain. Evelyn went on to say that Mr. Williams was her teacher at Owen High School and in fact, Adam, Roy Williams had given her her very first poor grade. After laughing in amazement at my blunder, says Shane, he went on with the lesson to say that Evelyn knows Coach Williams on a deeper level than the rest of us. The point had been made even better with his very accidental but fortuitous choice. So Shane concluded by saying, no one knows him like Wicked Wanda. (laughs) And that is the level God wants us to get to. (laughs) So the lesson ended memorably, but the news the next week made it all the more important. Thanks, says Shane, Coach Williams, for teaching one final lesson for this Tar Heel since birth. And it sure was good to know you. Good stuff from Shane and Evelyn, may, may I add. How could Shane have known Evelyn's backstory? No, nah. Adam, what else do we have? Anything else? I don't believe so. Okay. So... We're back. We have a second audio pod this week. We're back on Friday. And we've got some great guests scheduled. Don't know if they're going to happen yet, but we haven't scheduled. So we'll be back later in the week. But for now, we're going to let Jacob Stallings and the Rizza get us out of here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider.
1: I'm Jacob Stallings. See you later, Big
2: Grits.
3: When
0: I was small.
3: Nothing at
0: all. We used to eat grits for
2: dinner. Pound box of sugar and a stick of margarine. A hot pot of
1: grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot boiling water, salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's
3: missing Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen When
0: I was small
3: We had nothing at all A little bit grit.
2: The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heels Sports Network. Brought to you by Crumley Roberts. Visit CrumleyRoberts.com today to find out how they can stand up for you.